You know, I think the lead for this story was pretty much no matter what, win or lose, written as soon as Jay Jackson got through just the one inning of work against Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith uses, I think, eight pitches to get through that outing. And then he goes out there and he gets another inning of scoreless relief work with a runner on second. Like, give the man a billion legacy points after that because that has got to be Honestly, a singular highlight of the season to date. This will forever be known. When we talk, when we look back and we talk about this in in, uh, in later in August and later in the season and next year as well, people are just going to say, hey, remember that Jay Jackson game in, uh, in Los Angeles? That's how it's going to be remembered because, wow, phenomenal stuff tonight from Jay Jackson as the Jays hang on for a 6-3 win over the Dodgers, uh, Randy J. Jackson, I should say is his name. His name is actually Randy Jackson. Okay. I didn't know if anyone knew that, but I did find out earlier tonight. Uh, there was a point where Varsho discarded his belt once he had gotten uh, late in this one. And of course he comes through afterwards with the two run double over the glove of Jason Hayward. He gets on base, he discards the belt. Then later on, He has a two-run double. Maybe he just needs to change his belt more often because it certainly seems to have worked out for him. Uh, Welcome to Jay's Talk, across the Sportsnet Radio Network, streaming live on Sportsnet.ca and on the Sportsnet app. Show Ali here with you. Taking your calls and texts. Phone lines are open. 416-870-0590. 1-888-666-0590. Star 590 on your cell. 590-590 is where you can text me. That's the people's text line. And it is always open. I will admit there was a real point after Farshow swung through the high fastball well above the zone for strike three. I think it was in the sixth inning. I definitely thought perhaps there was an argument for Dalton Farshow being sent down to the minors to figure things out. We've seen many other players have that happen to them and come back up to great effect and and figure it out. You know, you even look at the team that traded Dalton Varsho to the Blue Jays. They, they did it to a one guy who I think a lot of people would consider electric and Jake McCarthy. He was great towards the end of last season, was not great to start this season. He was sent down to, I think, their AAA team in Reno, I want to say. And then he was brought back up and he has been pretty good, if not great, since then. So I definitely thought that was perhaps on the table for Varsho. But I unironically believe that Varsho may have just saved himself with getting on base late. And of course that massive play that ultimately won the Jays, the game. So, Hey, you know what? Here's hoping that he takes this and he uses it to string together some better offensive performances. Obviously there are no complaints with the lethal speed, certainly none with his outfield defense, but I am, uh, I'm certainly hoping he takes the reins there. Um, I see some text here at five ninety five ninety. name and location. <laughs> Regan in Regina was a big fan of sending Varsher down to the minors. I, I don't think it happens, but I mean, maybe if the, maybe if the, like the 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 lack of offensive production more consistently does continue. Maybe that does perhaps uh, happen ultimately. But I, again, I don't think it happens after tonight because you know while perhaps they felt that way in the sixth, I I don't think that a lot of people feel that way um, right now. There's no name on this text, but uh, it just says we as Jays fans are also stressed and high strung, and it's only July 25th. The anxiety awaiting these late August, early September games. You know what? I will take the opposing viewpoint on that. Maybe that. It's almost like training for the late August, September, late September games when the Blue Jays play like the Yankees and Rays a million times at the end of September. Maybe it'll make it, maybe we'll, the heart rate will be a little bit lower later in the season because we've all gone through this now 
in July. That's how I view to choose that view that situation. But uh, no, you're not wrong though. It is uh, <laughs> it is uh, quite stressful. A lot of playoff game atmospheres. It feels like on this West Coast road swing. Uh, even I guess if you want to continue and, and count the uh, uh, the Padres series at the Rogers Center, but um, in, in a lot of these games since they after the Diamondback series coming back from the All-Star break, a lot of very close games, a lot of very tense games late, but the Blue Jays do pull this one out. Again, a 6-3 win for the Blue Jays tonight. You know, if you guys remember, Phil Bickford was drafted by the Blue Jays back in 2013. He was drafted 10th overall, so he and he does not sign with the team, right? He's later, I think he goes back to college somewhere in California. He's later drafted by the Giants in 2015. He goes 18th overall. He bounces around a few teams. He gets traded from the Giants to the Brewers. The Brewers DFA him. The Dodgers pick him up. And that leads us to tonight. So perhaps the longest road traveled for Bickford to be like the Manchurian candidate for tonight for the Dodgers. But certainly the Blue Jays and all of us uh, still collectively up at such an hour will uh, absolutely take it. You know, they're showing the uh, Richards highlights, um, lowlights, unfortunately, on the screen here at Baseball Control. I was ready to quibble. Uh, with the the usage of Richards over Mesa after Jimmy Garcia got Will Smith. But Mesa did throw 20 pitches yesterday versus Richards' eight pitches. And Richards had been someone who, let's be real, has been very, very effective against lefties and righties in case of any potential pinch, pinch hit situations had they brought in Mesa. So, you know, and honestly, as much as I'd love to crap on the decision because it didn't work out, Richards has been, and you guys know I love the circle of trust, he's been right in the bullseye of the circle of trust for effectively the entire year. It is obviously also valid to say that he was not very good tonight, didn't locate the changeup well, didn't locate his fastball well, didn't really seem like anything was working for Richards this evening. Uh, Mesa must have just been down after 20 pitches, because the 20 pitches yesterday, because at no point did we really see him even get warm in the bullpen, so it didn't make sense. Uh, initially uh, to go to Richards, given his regular capabilities. But of course, that is not what the uh, Jays got tonight. Uh, let's go to the phones. 416-870-0590, star-590 on your cellular device. Let's go to Liam in Brampton. Liam staying up late. Liam, what's on your mind? Jay Jackson. He was um, great, wasn't he? Yeah, I remember uh, a few months ago watching this guy and kind of thinking not much of it. Just like the regular guy coming up from AAA, kind of just as a placeholder. But then over the past few weeks, he's just been really good, and I've been like overjoyed to see him finally get high-leverage situations and not just in the fifth inning down by four or five runs. And to just see him kill it was just amazing. And for me, one of the best games I've watched all year, especially with Varsho, but just overjoyed for, for Jackson, really. Hey, Liam, appreciate the call. Thanks for staying up late for me here on Jay's Talk. I agree with you. There, There's no shortage of praise you can give to Jay Jackson after what he did. Again, I think like you, there was no shortage of praise you could give him to Jay Jackson after the first inning, and then he goes out and gets two innings. Like, that was phenomenal stuff from Jay Jackson. I see a whole bunch of texts about, about Jackson, like Ben from Halifax. I think it's even later in Halifax than it is here in Toronto. So kudos for staying up, Ben. Uh, ben says, Jay Jackson, elite legacy game. Love to see it. Nothing like 3 a.m. baseball. Love seeing Dalton destroying the baseball. Love that guy. I see Sleepy Z in Lethbridge. Maybe I should say Sleepy Z in Lethbridge because I'm, I'm Canadian. But uh, even before I really knew much about Jay Jackson, I liked his swagger. It looks mean coming out of the pen. Put some confidence in the team, and you could see it. You know, this was something I was, I was having this conversation 
uh, right before the Blue Jays game with Chris LaRue, of course, as a former Major League pitcher himself. And we were kind of discussing the idea of Nate Pearson having been sent down to the minors and how I, you know, we talked about this a couple nights ago when it happened. I guess it was yesterday at this point for this finale against the Mariners. But I remember we were talking about Pearson and, and what that meant for him going forward and how I was genuinely surprised that Jackson wasn't the guy to go because both Pearson and Jackson had, had uh, options, but that ultimately clearly showed that the team had some kind of faith in Jay Jackson. And of course he, he very much rewarded them tonight. I think he's rewarded them his entire blue Jays career in the majors, but he very much rewarded them tonight. Ultimately, I think the, 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 Point from uh, Sleepy Zed in Lethbridge, <laughs> which is great. Great name. I think that I, the point about this swagger is something we honestly shouldn't overlook because I think sometimes you can sometimes see all, all sorts of players, not just pitchers or position players, certainly like both of them combined, is, I guess is what I mean, or starters as well, can sometimes be a little tentative when they get to the mound or when they get to the plate. And perhaps sometimes you do see that 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 tentativeness from Nate Pearson at times, and and again in in very short spurts because Nate Pearson still I think has been very good for a, a large chunk of his Blue Jays major league career here in 2023. But Jay Jackson has never I don't think there was there has ever been a point where he looked tentative, even when Aaron Judge was destroying baseballs off of Jay Jackson pitches. And we know eventually we found out that he was tipping pitches. So it happens from time to time, but even then he didn't really look tentative. So I got to say all the credit in the world to Jay Jackson, because this is going to end up being the, the, like we all are joking about kind of sort of, but for real, the legacy game for, uh, for Jay Jackson, let's start, let's continue chatting about the, um, the starters tonight, and you can still give me a call four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety one triple eight triple six zero five ninety star five ninety on your cell. Still some time to send me some texts five ninety five ninety name and location, please. That's the people's text line. But uh, while we wait for those, why don't we talk about the starters? Jose Barrios and uh, one Michael Grove. We'll get the Grove in a sec in his uh, sticky pants. But uh, Jose Barrios, five innings pitched, five hits, two runs, both of which were earned. Four walks, three strikeouts. There was the one home run in there. It was a solo home run given up to Jason Hayward. He threw 94 pitches. It was interesting, right? Because right at the beginning of the game, Barrios lets up a hard hit to Mookie Betts, like literally off the top of the game, right at the top of the order. Mookie Betts, one of the, uh, I don't want to even say underrated about anything for Mookie Betts because he's not underrated. He's one of the best players in Major League Baseball, but he is sneakily creeping up that all-time leadoff home run list, and he very nearly added another one, but even still a weak ground ball from Freddie Freeman that he legs out the first, a ground ball just out of the defender's reach for Max Muncy was the first Dodgers run that opened the scoring. He does get into a little trouble a little bit later on in the second. He was pretty efficient in the third. There was a Jason Hayward home run in a walk in that fourth after starting off pretty well. I thought the home run from Hayward was interesting. It came off the sinker, and it kind of looked like on the replay, it kind of looked like it was going to run inside as a ball, and then it actually creeped back into the upper middle of the plate for Hayward, and then he cranks it. I mean, for the most part, even though Barrios wasn't as sharp as he usually is, he still had the run on a lot of his pitches. And overall, I would say he did use, and I know I mentioned the sinker for uh, to Hayward was a home run, but overall, I would say he did use the sinker and change up more or less effectively today. He got a number of swinging strikes and ground outs with those pitches, the sinker, uh, getting a lot of guys to get balls put on the ground outside of the Hayward home run. Of course, the slurve is like the pitch he uses to get by a lot of the time, but I find his, his use of the slurve so fascinating because at the beginning of the year, he was using it a ton. 
Ben Schulman and I were discussing like how much can you really get away as a starting pitcher by throwing a slur of like, it felt like 75% of the time. It, it obviously wasn't that, but it felt like it was. And he almost backed off the usage of the slur to a certain degree so he can work in the sinker and change a little bit more, to, to largely to great effect. Although today, again, he got he got uh, into some trouble with the walk. So pitch count a little bit elevated, and they end up going to uh, Henesis Cabrera. And I got to say, what a start for Cabrera, right? I mean, it was against the bottom of the order against the Dodgers, but he came in and pitched very efficiently through 14 pitches overall. He threw three fastballs in that sixth inning, all to Chris Taylor, all between 95 and 96 miles an hour. He threw a bunch of sliders and sinkers as well. I'm I'm not going to draw any conclusions from his literal first appearance in a Blue Jays uniform, but enough to say that he, he did have some very interesting uh, whiff rate stuff uh, when I took a look after he was acquired, and he showed off some of it there. And I mean, look, if there is anything there with Cabrera, the bullpen would be in a very good spot considering that they only have Tim Meza as a lefty for those pockets of work. Again, Trevor Richards, like we were talking about before, certainly capable for most of the season of throwing to lefties. But in terms of actual lefties in the bullpen, um, if there's something there, I think we would all be uh, very pleased as punch. Uh, Garcia, of course, gets the bounce back outing. And he was absolutely helped by the umpire in the final out of that inning against Freddie Freeman, of all people. But you know what? The umpire was bad tonight. And uh, at least a good chunk of it came against the Blue Jays, like in that Espinal AB shortly before. So for it to balance out for Jimmy, I mean, the umpire was at least bad for everyone tonight. So, you know, I don't think it's uh, too much to uh, worry about with, uh, with I, don't, I don't think his previous outings were too much to worry about. And even though he gets helped, it was nice to see him get a bounce back after allowing two earned runs in each of the last couple of starts. Um, but still bring me my uh, robot overlords with their perfect strike zones. I am, uh, I am still waiting for that. I see a bunch of texts on, uh, on Michael Grove. And uh, this one's from uh, Tony and Kitchener. Grove had sticky stuff on his pants. After he changed his pants, the wheels fell off and he started giving up hits. It is, I mean, it's very, very true. You look at Grove. He comes into this one with an ERA of 640. 640. He made 12 starts so far this year. He's allowed four runs or more in half of those starts. And it kind of felt like the Jay Spats were letting him off the hook a little bit, right? Swinging at stuff in the dirt, popping a lot of balls up into play. He threw, like, Grove only had to throw six pitches in the third inning. And then he gets the vigorous, sticky stuff check from the umpires. Chris Black on Twitter, Sportsnet's Chris Black, at Down to Black on Twitter, had shown a very quick gif of the dark spot on his white pants that he was rubbing. So maybe a foreign substance being used. And the umpires, like like uh, Tony was saying, made him change his pants in between innings. He gets the hat checked, gets the glove checked, gets the belt checked. Everything gets checked, changes his pants, no more substance on the leg. And then he comes out and just gets hammered. Like, I, I am by no means a complete conspiracy theorist, maybe for some things. But, you know, come on, that's some wild stuff. Like, you can't tell me there is no correlation between what happened and the results changing basically immediately in favor of the Blue Jays. Dave Roberts was right to give him the hook because he was almost a completely different pitcher. And, here, you know, here's my question, though. If he was actually conclusively found to have something on his pants or hands enough to make him change his uniform, how was he allowed to go back out there? We literally saw in a game earlier this season, Domingo Herman get chucked for having this, some stuff, like something on his hand. Maybe it was a mixture, maybe activated by washing his hands. I don't know, whatever. But Herman got chucked for this exact thing, and they seemingly find the exact same thing here with Grove, and like nothing happens. It just seems 
a little weird if you ask me. In the end, four shutout innings with six strikeouts for Grove after he changes his pants, two-thirds of an inning, four hits, two earned runs, and no strikeouts. But uh, it could, don't get me wrong, it could have been a lot better in favor of the Jays. I see a couple of uh, texts here about George Springer. And uh, George Springer, okay, this one from Riley in Edmonton, if he doesn't want a work account, why is he leading off? I'd rather see him lead off. I'd rather see Belt lead off, pardon me. How many times from someone else has George Springer grounded into a double play on the first pitch? I got to say, it feels like a lot. I will say because of, you know, he hits into the double play there. Almost felt a little comical. I'm going to borrow this one actually from my stat, my, this stat from my pal, uh, Rob Wong. In his first 211 games as a Blue Jay, Springer grounded into 13 double plays. In 96 and a half games this year alone, he has grounded into 16 double plays. Like I harp on this constantly, but just take a pitch or two sometimes, you know, like this is an exact echo. This is an exact echo of what we talked about yesterday in the finale against Seattle. Just, just take some pitches. Sometimes the pitcher is struggling. Can't locate anything. The hit parade is coming from the bottom of the order. You are the very top of the order. There are no outs. Just let them work it out. <laughs> like worst case, you are a singular out. Right, you strike out or you pop up or something. Best case, you slam some runs, or at the very least, you load the bases with a walk because George Springer has a pretty good eye for walks. So, I don't know, just kind of baffling. Goes back to the Blake Snell start when the Padres were in town a couple of nights ago, early before the Mariners series, before the road trip. It's just, it's a little baffling that for for a guy who has had such sustained success that he hits into double plays. So, so often, but again, the blue Jays to get the win. So we don't have, thankfully we don't have to spend too, too much time on it. But again, I, I, I do kind of wonder if it's something, a bit of a conversation they have uh, with George Springer going forward. All right, let's go back to the phones. 416-870-0590, star five ninety on your cellular device. Joe from Halifax. Joe, I, I know it's later in Halifax than it is in Toronto. So I appreciate you staying up, staying up late. What's on your mind? Uh, I'm just wondering about this Grove. Um, if they, why, why wouldn't they, why wouldn't they do something to check out what was on the back of his pants and confirm whether it was something that was uh, illegal? And then the punishment should fit the crime. The next time he pitches, make him go out in the mound naked. <laughs> that'll fix his ass. That, that that would be something. Hey, I appreciate the call, Joe. That would be quite anyway. quite something. I think uh, if, to see the you know the emperor with no clothes, basically, right? But. That's pretty. That's pretty funny. I um I do wonder on on Michael Grove ultimately, what if any punishment does come down? I'll probably I don't want to again sound like oh they're gonna let the Dodgers the big league Dodgers off the hook, but I I mean there there probably should be stricter punishments for people who are caught with sticky stuff, right? Because they made I think because Major League Baseball made such a show of it last year about guys and like having like, take off your belt and take off your hat and checking your hands and like massaging the guys' hands basically like we saw. I think it was Adam Wainwright who like lost his crap yes last year and got, got mad and there's some other guys as well who are I think someone played for the Giants or the Diamondbacks last year who also was uh was being like very excessively uh you know viewed or 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 inspected let's say as he was coming off the field I just with major league baseball having made it such an emphasis I do genuinely wonder why there wouldn't be more of a punishment ultimately again like not for things that are very borderline but for in a situation like this where there clearly was something I mean I don't know. I don't know if that makes me sound like a homer or not, but I just, you would think there would be something done 
about it. But um, I, I, I honestly, I don't want to sound like a defeatist, but I, I honestly would be kind of surprised if anything was done about Michael Grove. Um, let's go. Let's play some audio. Let's hear from John Schneider. He just wrapped up his media availability um, after a 6-3 win. And of course, as you might imagine, he was asked about one Jay Jackson. Here's what he had to say. I mean, can't say enough about what Jay did tonight. Um, composure, execution against really good hitters in a really tough lineup. Um, you know, I, you can't really you can't really say enough about that. It's uh, you know, you get a runner on second, and you got to really navigate. It's a you know crazy environment here. It's a good team. Um, loved his demeanor. Uh, he was absolutely tremendous tonight. That is John Schneider discussing uh, Jay Jackson, who, I mean, tremendous. I almost feel like underscores the point too little because he was he was phenomenal tonight. He was terrific tonight. He was everything, every superlative you can throw at Jay Jackson. I think you should and uh, can because um, he was been he was absolutely terrific. Also, Ben Shulman reminding me that that guy who was uh, excessively investigated after coming out the field last year was Madison Bumgarner. That's who it was. It was Madison Bumgarner, and he got he like got mad. And he's taking off his hat, and the, I think he takes off his belt. And he throws his belt on the field, and it was uh, quite quite the scene. But uh, I I actually don't think he was actually in the wrong because the umpire was like really going after him. But again, it, like the Major League Baseball has made it such a point of emphasis. I'm kind of surprised there wasn't more made of Michael Grove having to change his pants and then immediately getting blasted by the Blue Jays ultimately. But hey, uh, a win is a win. The Blue Jays do grab one. 6-3 in Los Angeles to start this three-game set. Uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will go back to the text line, back to the phone lines, and we will also check out the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365 as well. You're listening to Stock Show Ali with you for a couple more minutes on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I think it, you know, it seems like these guys are, are tested mentally um, every night. It seems like games are close, games are tight. There's, um, you know, big spots, you know, whether we're hitting or when we're um, on defense. So um, hopefully that makes us a little bit more battle-tested down the road and, um, you know, it becomes a little bit more natural for the guys as we go. Not that you want it to be like that every night. That is John Schneider discussing the whole whack of close games the Blue Jays have been playing over the last Certainly the last four games, because all the games in Seattle were one 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 run games. And then certainly uh, today was very close until the very end, which was a 6-3 win for the Blue Jays over the Dodgers in game one of three in La La Land. Of course, tomorrow or I guess later tonight, because it is uh, July 25th now here on the East Coast. But you will see uh, Chris Bassett take the mound for the Blue Jays against Julio Urias, which I am very much looking forward to because Urias is a very, very good pitcher who is having a very bad season. So you never really know what you're going to get from those starts. Sometimes you might, he might pitch very well against the Blue Jays. He might not. So uh, very much looking forward to that pitching matchup. 10, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7, 10 p.m. Pacific across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Ben, ben Shulman, Chris LaRue will have the call as usual. They'll have the call for the entire series before the Blue Jays come back home to take on the Angels and Shohei Otani on Friday at the Rogers Center. Uh, welcome back to Jay's Talk, of course, across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali with you until the bottom of the hour. Still some time to send in your text, 59590, name and location, please. That's the people's text line. Before we go back to the text line, let's go to the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. Download the Bet365 app and check out the latest odds for today's baseball games, 19+. plus. Play responsibly, Ontario only. So if we take a look at the standings, actually pretty easy to do tonight because all of the Rays, Yankees, and Red Sox were all idle tonight. None of them playing this evening only the Baltimore Orioles playing uh, elsewhere in the American League East 
They were taking on the Philadelphia Phillies in the city of brotherly love. They went three, two uh, Colton Kowser, who's only called up to the majors pretty recently. Uh, he has a go ahead RBI double in the ninth inning after helping to throw out what it could have been the go ahead run for the Phillies in the eighth inning. So a big, big uh, moment for Colton Kowser. And of course, Jordan Westberg, going yard as well as first career major league home run. So with that win, the Baltimore Orioles improved to 62 and 38. The Tampa Bay Rays who were idle 61 and 42 blue Jays with the win, I believe are now 56 and 45. They are 11 games over 500. You take a look at the other teams in the division as well, like the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. They are both tied for last place at 53 and 47. That's a quick check of our major league standings watch presented by bet three, six, five. All right, let's go back to the text line. Five ninety five ninety. name and location. Uh, let's see. There's no Raj in Toronto was Varsho's hit really a legit hit that actually goes along with this one. We watched a pretty big sample size of this team this year. Do you guys really think this team has the offense to compete with playoff teams? Let's face it. An error by the Dodgers won this game. So the answer to Raj's question, it was, score i i think I, I i know what you mean it was actually scored a hit but i don't think that's really what rogers asking what like can you really count it as a legit hit because jason hayward made a diving play that he uh or a dive that he did not complete i should say i i still view it as a legit hit varsha still had to get the ball down in the outfield not sure it was a great decision by jason hayward to go down and slide head first in for that ball but ultimately i i will give varsha credit because he had struggled so far just getting the ball in play and he had a pretty solid base hit. So I, I, I personally think, yes, it is, is, it is a legitimate hit. And for the other, the other texture, there's no name on this one, but you know, he says, let's face it. An error by the Dodgers won this game. I, I suppose. Yes. But at the same time, as many times as we have seen base running mistakes by the blue Jays and, you know, hitting into double plays and all these various things we criticize. And I'm, I'm more than willing to criticize them when it's, when they deserve it. I also do think you kind of have to give some, you know, like other other teams are going to make mistakes as well. And the Dodgers are a very, very well-disciplined team. And ultimately, you know, whether it's it's the dive by Hayward, whether it's the throwing error to first base to Freddie Freeman that took him off the bag. Look, uh, teams are going to do that. So I don't I don't know that we should wipe away a Blue Jays win because of a couple of snafus by the Dodgers, because you know, if, if I could do that every time the blue Jays did that, man, we would, be, we would have a lot of a different post game tenor here on J stock. Um, I see a couple other texts as well. Ron and St. Mary's good to see the clutch hitting in tonight's game. So glad to see the boys win uh, Chris in Vancouver. I truly hope this gets Varsho going. He has literally turned into Bradley Zimmer the last month or so. I was going to suggest he needs to come off the bench. They call someone up to play second or left. The lineup still needs massive help. I hope Atkins is working on it. Um, I do hope so as well, just because I think it would be fun. But like I said before, I, I do kind of wonder if Varsho somewhat saved himself from being sent down to the minors with some of the play today late after the, the belt incident at first base. Um, his actual belt, not, not branded belt, of course. Um, I do want to get to... This uh, this situation with Kirk in the sixth inning, he grounds into the double play to end the inning that started with runners on the corners with no one out, followed the Varsho strikeout. Entering play today, the Jays were the fifth worst team in baseball, scoring runners from third with fewer than two outs, converting at a 46.7% rate. That's from our, our pal Ben Ennis. And I can only guess that that percentage did not go up after the Kirk double play in the sixth. And similarly with Kiermaier on third and extras after Springer moves him over from second to third. Having said that, of course, 
going from 3-3 to 6-3 probably does help that a certain a certain bit as well. But I do kind of wonder, and I think we did see this with uh, Kirk later in the game, but I, I do kind of wonder if we're just at the point, especially whenever the runner ahead of Kirk is someone like Dalton Varsho or someone like Whit Merrifield, for example, very speedy guy. I, I think you were at the point where you just send them, send him, right? Like, I don't, I don't think many of you, I don't even think I would be all that mad if it doesn't work out. We, and we did see Varsho get thrown out as trying to steal earlier in this ball game, but we're at the point of, and it's a breaking point. I think of Kirk grounding into double plays being unfortunately an expectation more than not. And it's something there has got to give, like if the fear is a line out and Witt or Varsho or someone is thrown out trying to get back to first, honestly, I think I would take that. At this point, thankfully, in the ninth inning, it does not work out the same way. He actually does advance the runner to second, and it's not another double play. But I just wonder if that's something we see more of. We see more of the runner going if Kirk from first going if Kirk is at the plate, just because until he like definitively turns it around, I'm not sure you can really you know really look at too much else. Um, I wanted to get back to the text line, 590-590, name and location. I see a Craig from PEI. He texts in to say, Wit is a stud. I'm curious what it would take to extend him. I, You know what? I It probably won't take a lot of money. I do wonder if it would take a lot of years, or maybe not a lot of years, but more years than the Blue Jays are comfortable giving to Merrifield, if only because he's going to be, I think, 35 or 36 next year, certainly mid-30s. By the time the Blue Jays season actually begins in uh, in April or March or April of, of 2024, you know, the mutual options, a lot of money. It's an $18 million mutual option. But I, I also kind of wonder if perhaps Merrifield might not want to resign for a long-term situation, especially as he's getting into his later 30s, mid to late 30s, if he has to play left field all the time as well. It's kind of why I, I wouldn't mind seeing Merrifield extended for maybe extend is the wrong word, signing a new deal for let's say two or yeah, maybe, maybe two years with a, with a club option for the third year, for example, that they can decline if something goes, doesn't go great for Merrifield in in the latter bit of that deal. But I, you know, I, I, I kind of wonder also if it would kind of be contingent, the blue Jays offering him such a deal on perhaps getting someone else to be the fourth outfielder and not having it, be with Merrifield. He obviously is still extremely capable of being the fourth outfielder whenever you want to give a breather to any of Varsho, Springer, or Kiermaier. But it, it probably also depends. And a lot of a lot of moving parts of the Blue Jays next year. What are you going to do with Matt Chapman? You know, what are you going to do with Kevin Kiermaier? I, I honestly do hope they re-sign Kevin Kiermaier. But I, I wonder, and he's already playing only like five of seven seven games in center, or four of seven games in center, depending on off days or whatever. But I do kind of wonder if next year Kiermaier is a more part-time player and Varsho perhaps is the actual everyday starting center fielder and you still have to go out and get two outfielders, let's say, or maybe Kiermaier is the fourth outfielder and you're still going out there and getting someone else for to be the left fielder, for example. I just There are a lot of moving parts that I think will inform whether or not Whit Merrifield is retained by the club. Having said that, I do think that even at $18 million, knowing that this could very well be his, his last payday, it'll probably, probably be a decline for Merrifield, uh, knowing that he's going to hit free agency and try and seek out a larger deal. Or maybe, you know what, maybe he could he could opt in and maybe the Blue Jays would have to decline it because they believe there's some kind of kicker in that deal where uh, if he does decline, pardon me, if he does opt in, 
And the Blue Jays decline. I believe he gets paid $500,000. So, I mean, that'd be great. Imagine getting paid $500,000 for someone saying, we don't want you to play for us. That'd be that'd be great. Uh, let's hear some sound. Uh, Dalton Varsho did speak to the media as well. And uh, he knows he's been struggling. But, of course, he did manage to uh, work through it a little bit enough to help the Blue Jays to what was a 5-3 lead, ultimately ended up a 6-3 win. Let's hear Dalton Varsho chatting with the media after the ballgame. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, it's been a tough month. For me, but um, obviously, got to keep your head up, got to keep grinding, and um, got to help this team win any way possible. Um, and it could be as simple as taking a walk instead of obviously rolling over, swinging at a bad pitch. And um, you know, I had an opportunity earlier today of trying to get Chappie in from third base, and I didn't get it done. And uh, being able to come up with another opportunity again and getting done, it, it was a great feeling. That is Dalton Varsho speaking to the media. Yeah, I, I got to imagine it's a great feeling for Dalton because he was really going through it and has been for a long time. I think his OPS after the strikeout of the sixth inning dropped to like 620-something. And uh, that's just like, it's not good enough, certainly. And I mean, I, I would I would not encourage everyone to look at uh, the, like, let's say the WRC plus of everyone involved in that trade because frankly, Lourdes, even with the very hot start, not not having the greatest follow-up for the rest of the season, and, and Gabriel Moreno is on the IL right now, right, with inflammation, I think, in his shoulder. So it hasn't been a trade that has worked out, I think, for both the Diamondbacks and Blue Jays so far, but still a lot of uh, a lot of time left to deem it, whether a, a success or failure. But again, Dalton Varsho, you, you know he's going to be around on this ball club for a lot of time to come, so you hope he can take this and string some things together. Uh, I see a text here on the text line, 590-590. Scott from Grimsby. What are your thoughts on the Jays going after Randall Gritchuk? You know, I always I always did have a bit of a soft spot for uh, old Randy, but I, I will encourage you not to look at his home and away splits. Don't do it. They're not pretty. The home splits in Colorado at Coors Field, one of the more hitter-friendly ballparks, if not the most hitter-friendly ballpark in all of baseball, it looks great. They look phenomenal. You look at his away splits, they're they're not great, ultimately. So I, I'm not sure. As much as it would be kind of fun to see a reunion with uh, with Randall, I'm not sure it's uh, in the cards. Also, perhaps for that same reason, it may not be in the cards for Teoscar Hernandez because as much as I would also like to see Teo go up there, a guy who can, who can mash lefties. We saw him do damage against his former team just this past weekend. Also, we also saw him with some snafus in uh, right field here and there, right? So I'm not sure either of them are the, the right candidate for the uh, fourth outfield spot. I still think Hunter Renfro is the guy I like. I know other people have picked the Lane Thomases of the world, and that's also not a terrible, a terrible idea, but um, there are going to be a lot of teams that are still in it come the trade deadline that are going to have to make some tough decisions. I think the Angels, I mean, the Angels selling, not even Shohei Otani, but selling literally any player off their roster might very well depend on what happens against the Blue Jays next weekend. Because if the Blue Jays, you know, go two and one against the Angels, that's very different than if the Angels sweep the Blue Jays or go, they go two and one at the Rogers Center because that might very well inform what they're going to do um, come the trade deadline in, what, five, six days um, I wanted to get to a couple last couple of things before we say goodbye. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He ties the game in the fifth. He clubs uh, an 86 mile an hour slider into left field. It's 109 miles an hour off the bat. Vladdy is now actually batting. This is from Sportsnet stats. 429 with two outs and runners in scoring position this year. That's kind of wild, honestly. Like if you had told me that before this game, I probably would have not have guessed it. Honestly, it does speak to perhaps how Vladdy is playing much better these days overall, even if, even if we don't nitpick certain plate appearances, because even in, in that same AB, 
he he swung at some things that I kind of thought, okay, what are you doing here, pal? And then he and then he actually turned it around and managed to work it into a, a an absolutely laced single that tied the game. So hey, I, I you know you can do you could nitpick everything for everyone certainly, but we are seeing him continue to sting the ball, but also just get the ball in the air more than we saw for most of the first half of the season, which is uh, which is terrific to see. And I got to think the the home run that really should have been the game winning home run of this ball game, but the home run for Matt Chapman in the eighth inning, I got to think that feels really good for Chappie, right? Like he's a native Californian. He grew up about two hours from Dodger stadium. Although I'm not sure if that's two hours with or without LA traffic, but I am a certain he has tons of friends and family there tonight. And he, he roped that Bruce Dark Gratterall pitch into the seats. Gratterall, by the way, has been very good and largely was very nasty tonight, but uh, good, good for Matt Chapman because like I said, I'm sure he had tons of friends and family and, for him to continue to get off the schneid after such a great beginning to the season and such an, uh, a poor, let's say, middle of the season, for him to kind of even out and, and be good again, I think would be a, a huge boon for uh, for the Blue Jays. But uh, hey, thanks for being with me tonight, everyone. Thanks for all the calls. Thanks for all the texts. Thank you for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, brought to you by Crown Rust Protection. Now that summer has arrived, it's road trip season. Make sure your vehicle is protected from rust with Crown. Visit crown.com for a special summer offer today. Crown, Canada's number one rust protection. For Ben Shulman, Chris LaRue, Tom Young, Nick Blackmore, I'm Show Ali. Thanks for staying up late with us to watch a Blue Jays 6-3 win. Tomorrow it's Chris Bassett versus Julio Urias on the mound. I'm back for more Jay Sock tomorrow night. I'll talk to you then.